here's what happened. If you want to know what really happened, what has really begun to re-identify your favorite football team as who they're supposed to be, Mike Tomlin went all prehistoric on the process. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates, the same place you found this. Hope you'll check those out as well. Every time this head coach has gotten in trouble, and I'm not talking about his job status here, obviously, every time his Steelers have gotten in trouble, what has he done? I'm going to leave you to think about that for a second. What has he done? What approach has he taken? What has he emphasized the following week in practice? What has he pushed and preached more than anything else? Yeah, get physical. Every single time. It's been the common denominator. He does not pull that fire alarm all the time. If you do that, you risk, you know, running into some deaf ear issues. But whenever it's, let's say, two, three losses in a row or two or three lackluster performances in a specific area in a row, what Tomlin will do is the polar opposite of going to the chalkboard and trying to scheme his way out of this or that. He's not going to panic and he's not going to replace players, no matter how much people like you or I will clamor for it in public. He doesn't care about that. He considers that to be noise. When he gets right down to it, when he shows up for work, not Tuesday of that week, not Wednesday of that week when they have the first practice, but Monday morning when he shows up for work, he is focused on finding a way to get his players to play more physically. Sometimes that involves having a little bit of a snarl. Sometimes it involves, wow, let's really revisit what our tackling techniques are. Sometimes, and I've heard this from a lot of participants over the years, It's just having a film session in which you and everybody else in your particular positional room really hears about it when your low light shows up on the screen. He'll circle you and say, really? Is that you? Is that what you consider to be a winning effort? Is that what you consider to be worthy of this uniform and this helmet and this legacy here? What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect Rigor, relevance, that's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. It's so raw. It's so crude. But you know what? More often than not, it works. See, here's the funny thing. Football's gone through a lot of change. Over the last 20, 30 years, it's become obviously a much more passing league. A lot more skill, speed, and aerial in nature. A lot more of it happens than ever with the football flying through the air. Where nobody's really getting hit. Nobody's doing anything that's punishing the other guy. The ball is just in the air. 
And as such, a lot of the physical stuff has been de-emphasized. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. There's a reason that AFC North teams have historically been as competitive as they have within the broader context of the AFC and even the NFL as a whole. It's because they all, all of these teams, except Cleveland, always throw Cleveland out when you're making these comparisons, are physical. That's not a um, phony pride thing. That's not a let's repeat some meme from 20 years ago thing. It's real. There are still not many teams in the NFL that could hang physically in the AFC North. I can think of a couple of good ones right off the top of my head. I know the Eagles could. Part of me feels like the Bills could as well, but it's not a long list. And in the AFC North, you're competing in that way. And it's always been Tomlin's preferred escape hatch from trouble. Well, now think of this offseason as a whole. And think of the players that he's brought in. Not just this past weekend. I know we're all still geeking out over the draft. I get that. I appreciate it. And the draft was loaded with these types of players. Goons was what he told, what Tomlin told Keanu Benton he wanted. I want goons here. Well, he got himself some guys who are certainly big, physical, and nasty enough to be anybody's welcome goons. Broderick Jones looks like he could take on an entire defense by himself, let alone whichever man is tasked with having to get past him. Joey Porter Jr. is a bigger, physical, nasty, trash-talking, somewhat like his dad, long-armed, physical freak of a cornerback. Is he as polished as you'd want him to be? Of course not. Hasn't taken a snap yet in the National Football League. Hasn't taken any instruction from an NFL coach. Give him time. But the traits that Tomlin was seeking were very much in play through this entire class, up and down. But to only discuss the draft class would ignore that this same mindset was evident all through the free agency signings. Isaac Seomalu comes in to fortify a position that, in all honesty, if the Steelers had just left it alone, not too many people would have said anything. Seomalu's a big-time guard. He's coming in to make sure, to make damn sure, that this line can block and have and enjoy a pounding running game with their physical, punishing, pounding, where the other team's rear ends down running back in Najee Harris and eat the clock and churn away and tire them out. That's where all of this is heading. That's where all of this is heading, not just on the offensive side of the ball, which I just cited, but also the defensive side. Credit Omar Khan all you want. I've done it. I feel like I've gone over the top with it. But don't forget who sets the identity for this team. That's the head coach. When we come back, J1Q. 
This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Jonathan, who says, Hey, DK, I know you don't bet, but with everyone raving about how great this NFL draft was for the Steelers and the team looking pretty darn complete, why are the Steelers' current odds for success so low? They're in the bottom third of the league for odds to win Super Bowl 58, and they're in company down there with the Panthers and the Patriots and the Raiders. They're predicted last in the AFC North by a lot. What gives? Are the Browns and the others really looking that much better? Jonathan, the first thing I have to say is you're right. I don't bet. So I haven't looked at any of that stuff. I've never taken any interest in gambling. That's not some pious thing. It's just not you know something that I've done. I have learned enough about gambling to know that the odds are set by the odds makers, but really they're based entirely on where the bets are going. So if you have an issue with any of this, you have to take it up with the people that are putting their money down. Now, I'm going to presume that a lot of the people who are putting their money down in the month of, you know, April and now at the outset of May are going to know something about football. They're not just going to do it blindly. However, there also are people who are just going to look at last year's standings and just say, oh, It'll be like this again, the same way that as you get closer to the coming season, you're going to see the Steelers predicted to be almost universally second or third or even fourth. You'll see Cincinnati first because Cincinnati is going to be listed first for quite a while because everybody knows and loves Joe Burrow. You're going to see Baltimore second because somehow, some way, the Ravens always seem to poke their heads up no matter what circumstances they're enduring at that moment. And then there's the Browns who do a lot of off-season splashy things that fool people, fool their own people, meaning in Cleveland, and also fool people on the outside. How many consecutive years now has Cleveland claimed the NFL's spring championship? They should have parades every spring for everything that they get done every spring. What I will say to you, and presuming that you are someone who gambles, If you're seeing this situation, my guess is that you've got a pretty nice payoff, right? Isn't that how it works? Like if everybody's picking your team to finish last and you feel really, really confident, not in a fan way, but in a logical, deductive way, that they're going to be a lot better than people think, doesn't that pay better, right? So if you put down like 10 bucks, you get 30 back or something. I don't know how it works, okay? But I do know that the the more of a reach that's in play with the odds, the, the more money you're going to make. So go go, stop complaining about it, you know? Go put money down on them. But you didn't hear that from me because I'm not giving betting advice because as you can tell, I'd be the worst person ever at doing that. I think it's going to take people seeing the Steelers on the field do good things offensively for the broader football world, whether it's gambling or not, to take notice. Uh, Just like last year, it took a while for everyone to recognize 
who and what George Pickens can be. Just like the second half of the season finally showed everybody what Najee Harris could be. Just like those final handful of games in those late touchdown drives showed everyone what Kenny Pickett can be. And Pat Fryermuth and a couple other people. That doesn't happen right away. Okay, people identify teams, yes, with who they are and who they've been, but also with who are their most prominent visible names. And on the offensive side, that's still going to take some branding, so to speak, on the Steelers' part. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.